Good evening and welcome to a bittersweet post-championship edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, how's everybody doing out there? Hopefully everybody is hanging in there. Uh, it's a t- tough couple of days here. Um, but uh, as always, glad to be Dukes. Glad to be with you. Uh, Rob, I did get uh, somebody recognized my voice in the airport and uh, made fun of my intro there. <laughs> that I, oh. I, really, I really enjoyed it, actually. Like, not made fun of. They, like, repeated it back. It was funny. That's awesome. You would have liked that. So Yeah, I would have um, loved that. Yeah. So welcome in, everybody. We are here for um, the last part of the football season. Um, Before so- the ratings plummet for basketball. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, ratings. L- listen to me talking like we got to <laughs> Right. No, it's five, five weeks to softball. Come on, people. Yep. Lacrosse. Yes. Lacrosse. Yeah. 29 days, I think. That's right. And uh, we'll, we'll get to some looking ahead and uh, some big picture stuff on the podcast and on JMU and everything else a little later. Uh, we're not going to talk about much else tonight. Uh, women's basketball gave away their very last shred of margin, margin of error. error. Yeah. Yeah. Over the weekend. Um, I think they would have to run the table in the regular season to have any chance at an at large the remaining way with a one point loss to Towson, um, a game that they actually trailed big in and came back and had a shot and, at the end. I think. Had a shot at the end. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could not, not it's somewhat analogous to the football game. Um, yeah. But, but a real disappointing loss for them. Um, we're not going to talk about men's hoops at all. As always, um, another season with Pale Fire. And big thanks to everybody down there at the Tap Room in Harrisonburg. You can still always go by and get your tap your pint glass for mentioning the podcast. Um, but so glad to have gone through another year with them and hopefully looking forward to continuing that relationship long term. Uh, and also, rating. how cool is it that they had, they had a watch party? Mm-hmm. Um, just the watch parties with breweries mm-hmm. are awesome. I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody else noticed that, but it's mm-hmm. just so different than 2004, which you and I have talked about at length in the past. Oh, uh, yeah. The first watch party was four of us that we set up ourselves. <laughs> right, right. Then it like grew to like there were single watch parties mm-hmm. in the major locations. There was like a Northern Virginia, D.C. Yeah. watch party. There was a Richmond one, might not mm-hmm. even have Virginia Beach. Now it was like, I mean, I, I know. They were all over the place around here, including like Port City, Aslan, like places that just did it of their own will and volition. Decided yeah, they know do. it'll draw. They draw know they draw. They, I mean, yeah. some of these places are alumni owned or something, but like yep. they went ahead and did it. It was really cool. Really Very cool. cool. So many options. And the fact that now, like, you could go watch the game, the championship on a Saturday on ABC is just so much different than the experience we had as fans in 2004, where it was a Friday night probably ESPN2 mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still was awesome. Didn't take yeah, away yeah, from it. it's great. But it's just cool how much it's grown, the entire subdivision. It is. I um, don't know if anybody listens out there, but I got a message through the grapevine um, from a friend of a friend, Brandon, uh, who lives in Portland, Oregon, Rob, who picked up a shift at a hotel that he works at a bar at um, on Saturday uh, and went in early and couldn't believe there was all these JMU people there at that that was the portland oregon watch party yeah that's um, awesome i know then, i saw yeah. pictures from the san diego watch party yeah um, it's really cool it's really really cool so great to see um yeah a lot of proud dukes out there one way or the other as that's, we say always what's that rob no i can say like and as people know like i wasn't able to go i had a big meeting mm-hmm. at work on friday that i couldn't miss and then i had coaching responsibilities on saturday yeah. i was totally at peace with it the whole time. Like I, I wasn't having any FOMO. I was like, I've been there, done that. <laughs> I was really happy for everybody else that was going. Uh-huh. I had a very difficult time 
on Friday when people started posting the airport pictures yeah. and the airplane pictures. Yeah, yeah. I know Swag was posting pictures from yeah. your flight. And I saw, yeah. like, I don't know. That's, I know the result stinks and I know it was probably a very difficult mm-hmm. flight home and the travel experiences I heard God, were brutal. Friday's a good time, though. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really fun to be there. It's really mm-hmm. fun. I'm very, very fortunate. And I, or I consider myself very fortunate that I had the opportunity to go and what's the, for the 2016, 2017 championship. You were, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, it's cool. It's just, it's a, I know people have their gripes about the stadium and blah, 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 but um, the weather, but Frisco really does appreciate it more than, than most cities. I will say that. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. And I, 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 I got questions for you, for your experience of watching it, Rob versus mine and that kind of stuff for tonight. Um, Cause I definitely want to get into all that. I just want to let people know up front, Rob and I discussed this. We're not going to do four downs. We're still brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing. I know um, Brian and Colby were as disappointed as we were in the loss this week. Uh, you can go by the fly shop anytime, mention the podcast, get a free sticker from them. Um, but we're not going to take this in any particular structure. We've both, I'm sure, individually prepped and taken some notes and thought about this. And I know we've both watched parts of the game multiple times. Um, well, I, I have, you know, I, I, okay. Right after, I didn't even see a, a replay of that interception. I no, saw, I, I, I was yeah. done. It was like I mentally That's one nice thing out. about not being down there. Yeah, I, guess. I don't, First, yeah. I mean, I will yeah. say that the production value, if you want to get, was pretty mm-hmm. good. I thought yes. ABC did a very nice job. Mm-hmm. They screwed up that last play. And mm-hmm. there, there was even stuff on, like, on, uh, on Twitter how they almost missed the play entirely. I don't know if they were late coming back or had the wrong camera, but I still don't know what happened. Yeah, I, I saw, saw a better I saw, I saw re- rolling out, and then all of a sudden I was with my kids, and we we're both like, "What? What happened?" Oh, he picked, and then I was just done. I did the you know stereotypical kind of stood up, surrender Cobra, and <laughs> yeah. walked out. I, I think I saw them North Dakota State down it, but then TV off. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I saw a better. Uh, there was a replay from somebody on the NDSU, you know, in the fan section mm-hmm. that was actually a better. Better a better angle. video of of the of that play than than anything the TV had, yeah. Um, but it would just I just wanted to kind of say a, a couple things before as we get going here, Rob. And that is, we are just talking this through together for the first time, really, uh, Rob and I. And we are commiserating with each other and with all of you. Yeah, we haven't even exchanged we, any text messages. No, or, or really not. Phone. You Nothing. know how crazy it is after the game, yeah. and you're with everybody else, and yeah. Um, and we want to, I, I, I just want to apologize in advance, or at least maybe not apologize, but just warn people in advance. Um, we're both processing this like everybody else. And we're usually pretty, pretty positive. Um, I think we're going to try our best to be as positive as we can be um, without being homers tonight. And, you know, we don't mean to be down on players or particular coaches or anything like that as we go through this. Um, we ask your forgiveness if we get things wrong on the X's and O's. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I, I dreaded, Rob. I, I was so dead on Sunday. I did not write the, the post game mm-hmm. on the blog until yesterday. And I just dreaded. And I knew it immediately. People were on me for, you know, specific X's and O's that they disagreed with me or, or saw things differently on. And I welcome the comments. We always do. We're so glad to have everybody along. Um, some of you are right, and sometimes we're wrong, no doubt about that. Um, but I also hope that at the end of this tonight, we like we did a couple years ago, um, we could start building things back up and revving the engine for 
both ourselves, maybe primarily ourselves, but for everybody who follows along with us all along um, as well. Uh, the last thing I would say before we get going, Rob, um, just a, a little bit of news today, right? That JMU had a uh, DB's coach, uh, Ryan Smith, the safeties coach, I guess, is going to Virginia Tech, and the defensive line coach is going to Old Dominion. Um, to, I, I don't know, as of like 6 o'clock tonight, there weren't any coordinators leaving or anything like that. Um, so, you know, wish both of them well. Saw a lot of their players wish them well. Certainly didn't seem to be anything um, – you know, unexpected there, but so what's your first thing? What was your first thing you want to talk about, Rob? I, I guess just, I have a tough time doing things like this. Cause mm-hmm. I, I tend to get very upset and then I just kind of internalize and then I try to rationalize like, it's not that big of a deal. It's just oh, a I'm in the stages. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to, <laughs> it's not fair to compare it to grieving, but it's certainly the full stages for me. Right. There's some anger, some bitterness, I some sadness. Felt- I was so confident and calm leading up to the game. I know. And then Saturday morning, I was a wreck. (sighs) I was running errands um, about 11.15. I had butterflies to the point where I had to go for a run to try to (laughs) calm down and burn off the energy. Right. Um, I couldn't sit still. About 12 minutes into the game, I had already reached the pacing and cleaning the kitchen (laughs) stage of things. Like, I was just a mess. So, actually, my initial reaction was just kind of relief. Mm -hmm. Like, it's over, the Band-Aid pulled off, I'm going to be okay. Right. Um, but then I I have an aversion to people who try to, like, like just make too much of things. And I realize mm-hmm. that, like, mm-hmm. then by me getting defensive, I make too much of things. I'm like, I, I try to just <laughs> Me too. Like, I did it. No, I'm, I did just, it. I'm just going to be very calm and objective. And then I go the other direction, and I'm the one who's driving people crazy, being like, oh, my gosh, you're such a homer. And that's a completely valid criticism. Yeah, it's like the only it, twi- tweet I sent on Saturday was definitely not one I wish I had back. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. But, but I guess, like, it, my big thing, what I try to do is I don't want to overreact. Like, I don't want to search for a narrative. No, you know, like, no. Sort of like, I, there are things that happen. Like, I will just say right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Ertz had a better game plan. Ents, yeah. Ents was well, yeah. than, than Signetti. So, yep. it, it, but I cringe when people start going to the out coach. To me, out coach has such a negative connotation, and that's my own hangups. People mm-hmm. do not mean that. People usually mean it in very objective fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Andrea, Andrea Quinn made the point like, hey, you can be really passionate and point out the fact that coaches maybe messed up in certain situations or players made mistakes. It doesn't mean you're not a diehard, and that's mm-hmm. 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to misinterpret people saying like, hey, I think this wasn't Signoni's best effort. To me, I need to be like, you're crazy. He's a good coach. He's right for the program. Nobody's saying he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, I guess that's the thing. Like, it was disappointing. I know in the weeks leading up to the game, one of the things I said I was so excited about was I was really pleased with the way that Signetti and the coaching staff had a unique approach for every game of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they were able to maximize their strengths against the opponent's weaknesses. Mm-hmm. North Dakota State is a whole different level, but the first drive was like, yes, they found something. They did it. They got away from it a little yeah. bit, and, and that disappointed mm-hmm. me. Um, the Trey Lance thing, like, I, I, like everybody else, I was like, why didn't they just put a spy on him? I, I'm kind of getting away from that because when you go back and even if mm-hmm. you watch replays, mm-hmm. schematically, I don't think things were wrong like he was just slippery like 
they got to him and couldn't make plays. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not knocking the players. Like he just is one of those dudes. They got their hands on him multiple times. And a couple mm-hmm. of the third down conversions, you know, he slipped the tackle. I mean, he had these weird Deshaun Watson sort of escapes. Mm-hmm. Like, like Watson had the first one against the Bills. He did it like three or four times, mm-hmm. and then ranked up and then ran off thirty yard runs. Like oh, that stinks. Like I don't know if that's schematic. Not players not being where they're supposed to be. It's just a a dude playing like Superman. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just it's very tough for me because, like, I guess the basic thing is like I think it's fair to say JMU did some really really good things. I if I was, if I was a player, I might feel like I gave it away, but at the end of the day, North Dakota State played mistake free football. JMU did not. The JMU coaches made mistakes. Right. Pretty much every player, save maybe Riley and a few others, mm-hmm. made noticeable mistakes and it's just critical like it's uncanny how North Dakota State just doesn't do that you know even the Patriots have games where it falls apart Mm -hmm. North Dakota State just it's annoying because like you look at the statistics you look at time of possession and you look like Jamie's able to move the ball North Dakota State just had Trey Lance Mm -hmm. and and they're probably North Dakota State fans who are pathetic enough to be listening to this and we'll hear about it Mm -hmm. but that's kind of what the difference was to me. Like, I thought their team was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't say they're not. If you say they're not, or you say they're lucky, you're insane. This mm-hmm. is eight of nine. Mm-hmm. But on Saturday, the difference was Trey Lance and the coaches owns to call a couple ridiculously successful trick plays. Yeah, and, uh, and exactly. And Those are the two differences. That's it. You know, and, and and I will say, like, the face mask and the two pass interferences mm-hmm. were brutal. Yeah. Were brutal. Um, brutal. You, you got to call any anyway. I mean, it was obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that was most frustrating to me, and again, the Bison fans who may or not be listening to this or, mm-hmm. or searching the internet now for reasons <laughs> that chips on their shoulder, the thing that really got me is those were terribly thrown balls. That's It, it drove me nuts. We, we played, um, you know, Thomas, our, our buddy TJ, wrote me, I don't know, yesterday after he got a chance to rewatch and. You know, he, he didn't mean this negatively, but he said, you know, we, we basically played against Rodney Landers on Saturday. Um, we basically played against Daquan Scott. Yeah. yeah it wasn't right, even Rodney right. Landers. Yeah, Landers no, and, and we weren't, you know, look, we're not. You're exactly right, Rob. The two differences in this game were the two more aggressive play calls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could call them trick. I mean, certainly the fake field goals a trick play. The other, yeah. the fake, fake reverse, reverse, you know, worked well. Um, but those two plays and – and Trey Lance, and that's it. Everything else that we're about to pick at is not really the difference in the game the way that those two things are. No. North Dakota State didn't have another player. Lance ran 30 times. He threw nine. Almost all nine of them, except for one on the first drive, were terrible throws. Yeah. Um, and, he, and nobody else on the team ran the ball more than seven times. Yeah. They, they had, that was the game plan. He was the, the, the thing that's going to carry them. Um, one interesting thing, one point that was made to me um, after the Landers comparison was it, it was interesting. Um, and, and you do wonder long term. I mean, A, I wonder if Lance plays all four years. Um, not that he couldn't leave after three years, but also not that he couldn't leave and go FBS when he becomes a grad transfer after three years. Um, but B, I don't know if that's is that a sustainable way to go about your business. Um, they obviously don't get him touched very often. They're fantastic up front. They do a good job. Um, you know, but if he tears an ACL next year in game two, 
just on a non-contact play, uh, what would they have done on Saturday? I don't know the answer. Um, doesn't matter to me. My, my nits, that was my number one thing. Rob was, or I mean, let's just get the coaching stuff out of the way. I was really frustrated with the, the sort of special teams let down um, on the fake field goal. We talked about last week that was one of North Dakota State's weaknesses, the kicking game. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting in the stands, uh, you watching at home, certainly everybody sitting in the stands on, in wearing yellow or green on Saturday assumed that was a fake, and it was a fake. Yeah. Um, there can be some yelling about penalties and whatnot, but it was a well-executed play. And it's really disappointing that JMU was not better prepared for that. In, in a situation where it didn't look like they were really aggressively setting up for a block and, like, got caught or something. Well, like, like, it was I, just I, a basic, you know. Like, you, you know more actually than I was. Yeah. Like, I didn't play high school football. I'm just a fan. But, like, mm-hmm. what do you – it did seem like they were just in their normal, like, kind of everybody up against the line. Like, what would you do to defend against that? Do you normally have guys back? Like, well, it seems like what JMU has done is actually they unbalanced their defensive alignment against like kicks this year. You put yeah, like so they put time. more guys to. I guess if you're if you're standing, if you're looking at the play from where the kicker is standing, um, there are more JMU players to his right. Mm-hmm. There tend to be to the center and right, um, and they kind of try to get an overload and then get one guy through, and that's how you block two kicks in a row against Monmouth. Uh, you know, um, and they only leave one or two or three players on the left. And unfortunately for them, the two or three players that they left on the left are sort of expecting more of a, um, to the extent they're expecting a fake. I mean, it's, it was corners and safeties, DBs, yeah. um, guys that just got motored down the field by offensive linemen when they ran a running play. So that, that to me was a big letdown. And then so the aggressive. You, but like, what would you do? Like if, if it was, well, if you're not do, gonna suspend, do, do you like drop like a like somebody in a linebacker type role? Yeah, I don't know that you could have stopped them from say getting the first down there. To me, it's more like why are we doing the unbalanced on a play when we're not actually trying to block it? Because it feels like right. to me, just as a fan, like yep. fake field goals are kind of all about you either get gut, it or you don't guts, like having yep. the guts to call it, and then just can the non-skill position players who usually are forced to run the ball can they run the six yards you need? Correct. You know, like it doesn't. It's it's not like it's either open or not, mm-hmm. and, and but to me it's just guts, and mm-hmm. and I kind of admire them for doing it, but it also kind of says something. I think it gives credence to argument that they didn't have much else going on. But, oh, it was I weird because when they, they went up twenty-one, ten, and two of those touchdowns were a fake field goal and a fake reverse. Yeah, I didn't panic in the stands at the time. I mean, I definitely thought, well, they're really pulling out all the stops. Yeah, you know. Um, it was like Clemson last night where they had – It was very know, much like They're just that. going crazy in the first half yeah. and they ran out of tricks. Yeah. Um, you know, what's frustrating in this game, I guess, is as JMU, I think you mentioned that maybe they got away a little bit from some of the inside run game yeah. that was successful early on for the Dukes. Um, I don't know if time and score got ahead of the coaches there or something. Um, but I was just – I was disappointed, right, that the aggressiveness – that we didn't see the same kind of aggression from the JMU game plan. Uh, until arguably the last drive, um, you know, and that there wasn't one or two of those. We've been waiting all season. We never saw a single play. We have a, a punter who has a, like a whole track record of doing amazing things. Right. And a kid who grew up playing in a contact sport and knows what he's doing out there. We never saw it once this season. Um, you know, just the lack of aggressiveness was a frustration for me. The other two I wanted to bring up, Rob, I did get to rewatch 
at least the first half. And I think one of the things that frustrated me on the Lance stuff was, you know, the design runs are the design runs. I, you know, I, actually, I thought JMU, you know, Lance got pretty few, well. JMU did it was pretty few. Yeah, it was more the broken plays. And one thing that I was a little frustrated, and I, don't, I think this is probably also a, a slight coaching thing. It's hard for me to get too angry about adjustments defensively when JMU under Heatherman only gave up seven points after the half. Mm-hmm. But there were quite a few plays where they let NDSU forced John Daka or allowed John Daka in particular to kind of come inside of the tackle mm-hmm. and get upfield really fast. It led to a sack on the first drive. It led to some pressures early in the game. But the more they let them do that, the more it, every time, if JMU didn't have somebody blitzing off the corner containing Lance, it was just obvious that, you know, NDSU was able to just run around, run around, run around. Yeah. Every time that was really frustrating. Um, I was horribly, let's just get to it, Rob, get it out of the way. I was really frustrated with the last play of the game um, and that it was not on Ben at any way, shape or form. That's the only, that was a one, you know, a one read play um, guy looked open safety, made a great play. Uh, but when they got that, after that insane replay, that shouldn't have been a replay, <laughs> Whatever, going I'll, back two plays. I'll tell you they, what, to the point where, like, if yeah. JMU would have won, I would have been livid if I was North Dakota State. Yes. On that, the, the way, like, they put the, time back on the clock after. Right. Essentially, JMU got first and 10 all over again when right. they had failed to, to do anything right. on first down. But JMU, I mean, there were two or three times, and my, my problem was just the way they ran that. I, with eight seconds left, into, it, that was some, um, that was Roy Williams, Andy Reid esque clock management, timeout management there. Um, you can't take those timeouts with you. And with eight seconds left and Latrell running downhill, um, I wanted to see a running play, even if I was wrong and they couldn't get him held up and get the timeout called with one second left. Well, I wanted father... to see that be a two play, a run first and a call timeout and a second play. And then I was even more frustrated. The problem was that I was even more frustrated with is I don't know why they had two timeouts when they got down there with eight seconds, well, that, they were at midfield saying. with 220 to go in yeah. the game. And I'm thinking, I w- literally was turning to my seatmates and saying, time's not even an issue. Like, it's just like, we're fine. There's plenty of time. We got two timeouts. I think after Riley had the long catch on the sideline, I don't know what time was left in 48 seconds or so. But there was it like still seven, seemed like there were like, like 17 seconds that ran off. Yeah. On the, up, like, on the trick play where Ben got sacked. Yeah. It just, it, oh, it's so. It uh, was. It wasn't for me the last play. It was the fact that they were in a position where it was one player done. It's, it's timeouts are not like correct. It, if that yeah. play worked, I would have been the first to applaud them for absolutely. You put the ball in Ben Denucci's hand. He's mm-hmm. earned it. He'll make the right decision. You know, like so. I'm the first to apply. Like it's always easy as fans. In fact, it's almost impossible not mm-hmm. to second guess a play like that. The, with the biggest example being, you know, Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's like that all over again. Like, you know, Latrell Palmer was our Marshall, Marshall Lynch in this situation. Yep. What bothered me is the fact that, like you said earlier, like they should have been down there first and goal with 30 seconds. Correct. 35, like to the point where like my kids, even Sam was like, they're going to run out of time. They're going to run out of time. Yeah, what yeah. are they doing? Yeah. You know, like yes. and yeah, these, yeah. my James is in football. My oldest Sam is kind of like, he'll watch though. He's starting to get into it. But he was like, why is there so much time going off the clock? Starting, right. And he's saying that starting like a minute 50. Yep. You know, it just, That's exactly the, right. It, it was weird because it's almost like, not karma, so to speak, but we've talked all year, I've talked all year about how this team is so calm. And they were too mm-hmm. calm. 
There was no, yeah. they were effective, but it was like, you needed somebody with the headset on to start calling timeouts or to start calling a clock. I mean, they had to do something. Just... Well, and I kind of understood the idea that like at, at the beginning of that, you think to yourself, there's no reason to score with enough time to give them another chance. Like we're not, even with two timeouts, like we can't get stopped and punt and get it back again. Yeah. So this is the drive. This is right. It. We, I mean, we gotta do you can. know, this is the drive. And so you're like, okay, look, we want to score with 10 seconds to go. Cause we want to make sure there's nothing there, but, but you got to score. Yeah, first. They pushed it too to push it too much. Yeah. Um, and, and then the one, I, I don't know. I mean, you may have other little coaching things, Rob. Um, the one other frustration, and this is actually kind of a, a maybe a little bit of a defense of the coaches, uh, or at least Stignetti. I saw some comments after the game. Um, first of all, like we said about us tonight, we're still processing this, and, and we're adults and just fans, and we don't know anything except the heartbreak of being fans. Um, the comment, I, you know, I didn't love Danucci's comment um, after the game. Some, you know, right we after the game, some, we, we lost it. They didn't win or something. But these are kids. Let them, you know. That's it's rough on them to let that go. Um, I'm they'll hopefully they can learn from that. I, I just it, it is heartbreaking for them too. And then I saw some comments about like Signetti blaming the people saying that Signetti was blaming the players or not taking accountability. Um, I didn't see it that way. I, I don't mean to defend him so much. Rewatching the first half of the game, um, JMU was sloppy, they, they were sloppy. They had an offsides penalty when they were moving the ball again on that, you know, on the third drive, they missed the field goal off the upright. They didn't block, um, you know, a couple guys missed the tackle on that one that became the rugby scrum where Lance, like they stopped moving to the ball on that play. You know, th- there were some, some things that like, I guess Todd, they, that, they didn't do well, like, right? They, that's why I, yeah. I have such an aversion to this idea of like, he got out coached. That seems so definitive. Or that, to me. like, he threw them under the bus. No, I think he was just he saying did, like, what he thought was the case. We didn't play that well. They didn't, right? like, North Dakota State, like, they didn't make mistakes. Jamie did. Nope. Like, there, there are nitpicky elements mm-hmm. of this thing, but, like, I don't think you'd go out of there and be like, oh my gosh, Signetti showed he had no ability to get. To... I didn't think that at all. To me, it's no. just like, objectively speaking, it wasn't just, the coach. Is he going to learn from this? Yeah, but sure. Like, yeah. And, I hope. <laughs> you hope, but like, what is there to learn in terms of not? I mean, you don't want to single yeah. guys out, but like, the big things are learned. Be like, hey, you know, I shouldn't have called, or or right, I shouldn't right, have right, called, right. I shouldn't have called that face mask. Like, just people, all stuff happens, and it yes, sucks. It, it sucks yep. that all these really great players, you know, Racky missed a kick. You don't expect that. You know, that, was, it, was it Carter Look, or Dylan Dawkins? Stapleton was great in great. this game as a receiver, but he also, you know, he struggled on a couple blocks. He whiffed one on what would have been a touchdown on one of those little screen, you know, hitch routes that they run on the outside to Riley. He was the one who was off sides on that first drive. Um, you know, Ben bounced one to Polk on one of those other kind of hitch plays that usually is like an easy setup for JMU. Um you know, there's all kinds of things that I'm sure that all those kids and, and some of that is just the pressure of this game and playing against a really good team. And, and, and Todd, you know, like neither you and I played in college, but we played no. enough sports. That, like everybody knows momentum doesn't exist, well, but there is an element or we've all been in situations 
mm-hmm. where you're playing in a game where a guy is having a couple of Trey Lance-like moments. And yeah, it's not momentum. It doesn't have any real causation on the next play. But as an opponent, sometimes I know I would press in that situation. Uh-huh. And sometimes that leads to more mistakes. Like you start to feel like, oh my gosh, this guy keeps getting away from what are you doing? And then maybe you get away from your technique. Maybe you, you come out a little too pumped up next play. There's stuff like that. So I get, and I know this sounds like weird hocus pocus stuff, but I think most people have been you have all shapes of a or two for you to have a creep in or just be like, gosh, it happened again. Right. And that's what this game came down to. So, like, yeah, it wasn't Signetti's best game. It wasn't Nuch's best game. It wasn't, you know, McCormick's best game or Racky's. Like, but I don't think anybody had, like, what I would consider a bad game. And so that's what. No, nobody had would, a Bill Buckner moment no. or anything either. And, like, and, and, including, and, yeah. including Signetti and the coordinators. Correct. You know, like it. And you know what happens when the momentum goes against you, like you're talking about, Rob? What, what do you want from your players and your coaching staff? You want your coaching staff to have prepared the players enough and instilled enough belief in them that they fight through it until things get better. And you want your players to have learned that, to believe they can do it and to keep grinding until it gets better. And when Riley caught that long ball down the sideline on the last drive in the stands, I thought they were going to do it. Yeah. Right. They They had fought through it. They fought back. They were down 15. They went down the field and scored. They got the. They made a fourth and two stop on a Lance run, yeah. to get the ball back, and then drove down to the two and had a chance to tie the game. That's you know to me those are the bigger picture things yeah, about like, what like this we, team we and this coaching staff is about, right? And if I see that same effort next year and the year after, I'll be thrilled as a fan. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like. I, I can't look at this. I can't. Look at the guy went undefeated CA play and he made it back to Frisco in a yep. difficult situation. You know, loaded roster, I understand, mm-hmm. but let's be honest, there were a lot of questions coming into the season. People didn't know what mm-hmm. we were going to do at running back. Like, we got all this talent, but can we put it together? Well, yeah, that, that came together pretty well. You know, we had a thousand mm-hmm. yard receiver and a thousand, what, a 1300 yard running back. We had, you know, Percy had 19 touchdowns. Um, still got contributions. Everybody, Nooch had a much, much better season. The defense mm-hmm. improved dramatically. I mean, everything about it was good. And they came down to one yard away, or three yards away mm-hmm. from tying it, forcing overtime. I, I, and I got to say, if you, if you showed me, if you took away the context, the Frisco, the travel, the NDSU, the rivalry, the, the you know, trying to get back there and everything else, and showed me the West Virginia game and you showed me the NDSU game, I'd be way more frustrated to lose the West Virginia game yeah. than I would the NDSU game. Yeah. You know? Um, and for the record, JMU outgained NDSU. Yes. Had four more first downs and more time of possession. Yes. So, so don't give me this. They're so big and strong and they pushed us around. That isn't what happened. They made more plays. They were coached more aggressively on this day. They made fewer mistakes. And they made fewer mistakes. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it, it's frustrating and it freaking hurts. <laughs> I, I'm way too invested in this. I realized that this time I realized it in 2017. I appreciate that in my own world off the field, I'm able to better process it this time and may not lose it at the end of this podcast <laughs> the way I did last time. Um, but I, you know, 
it's just, it sucks. And I I'm with, we're with all of you. And I think everyone that's expressed frustration online, um, we feel you. We just like to kind of keep the big picture in mind. And, you know, I thought there were some positives in this game, Rob. I know we, what we, I mean, thank, you know, what, what can we say about Riley Stapleton? I hope he gets a shot somewhere, whether it's as a tight end or something else. He's been, it's absolutely unbelievable what he has done in the games that matter. In his he career. looks like a completely different player. He did. He's had he, 17 catches for like 200 yards and two touchdowns against NDSU. And not only that, they were tough catches and then just big boy yards after the catch. Oh! You know, that was a thing, like, on the broadcast a couple mm-hmm. times when he was coming down or just following along on Twitter. Mm-hmm. People were amazed. That one that he caught on the sideline, and then he lowered his shoulder and oh. barreled over somebody for, like, yeah. next 10 or 12 yards. And how about the play by Danucci on the fourth down yeah. on the last drive? The, the, uh, I mean, did, I thought Danucci played a fine game. I yeah. mean, he missed one or two, but I thought it was weird because I, I actually wanted him to keep it more than he did in this game. Um, and they may have seen some other things, but – it, it, you know, he was good too, but you're right. I mean, Riley's been an unbelievable performer for this team when the lights are brightest. Um, uh, Rob, what did you even notice that Christian Watson was on the field? No. And, no, you didn't. And the reason you didn't is because Rashad, Rashad Robinson yeah. was clearly, they decided we're not even trying to throw at yeah. that guy. I mean, the only time I noticed that Watson was even in the game was when he got dropped for like a 15-yard loss on a reverse. I, that, um, that was the thing that was actually most surprising. So that's hard to like yell at the defensive coordinator. Like, you know. No, and like, mm-hmm. I mean, McCormick, yeah. I, felt, I, I felt. I felt terrible for him. For him. I thought the second one, especially because I thought Mike Green, I'm not, we're not, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to bring up the refs in any, like they lost the game. Um, But I thought Mike Green got like egregiously held inside on to prevent him from getting to Lance on the one that became the second McCormick. Yeah. The one that was closer for him. Um, Felt really bad for him. I hope he comes back next year motivated. Um, It was great to see Charles Tut come in after that and, you know, finish his career on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just felt, his, I just felt that from McCormick because it was just two of those those plays where you get caught up and you're lucky yep. you don't turn around. And, like, unfortunately for him, if the ball was – there was no way he was catching it, but it was not quite far enough away that they were going to say uncatchable. But it's just one of those things. Like, it was just you get twisted up. It wasn't like he was floundering up. He's still a good player. Um, mm-hmm. It just stinks that he had two of those things that happen to anybody who plays corner. Sometimes sure. you, you get turned around, you can't do it, and you're twisting back trying to see the ball, and you plow over a guy. It stinks. Um, I felt bad mm-hmm. for him. Uh, I don't know. It, it was a tough game all around. Yeah. But a big thank you to the seniors. It's a winning a senior class we've ever seen. Um, the fifth-year guys, the six of them, I, I don't even know what to say. Um, going to miss seeing – Tut's mom and McGinley's dad in the stands. Um, I hope they come both come back. They've been warriors for for this team and this fan base, even when their kids have been through up and ups and downs. Um, I met, had a chance to meet um, Tut's mom on the weekend. Couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have had a better outlook about what JMU has meant. Um, the fact that he got a chance to get a great education play five years, go to Frisco three times, win a championship, <laughs> right? I mean, even, even with the injuries, you know, and, and the frustrations that he's had sort of career-wise, um, just what a great outlook. Um, all those seniors, Rondell, I feel bad he didn't get a chance to win one. 
Um, everybody, Daka, Danucci. I hope all these guys get both Stapleton. I mean, Dylan Stapleton was a horse this week in the receiving game. Um, I hope all those guys, if they want them, get chances and, and catch on um, somewhere. Maybe we'll see some of them on the defenders with their JMU counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to give Rob the other positive. I, I mean, before we do any looking ahead, one big positive I wanted to note was I want to give a big shout out to the JMU uh, fans, JMU Nation, JMU World, whatever you are. Um, I saw a big development in the stadium over the first game versus NDSU. I, I don't know exactly what the numbers were. I know that JMU's actual sections of the stadium were chock full as opposed to last time when there was a smattering of yellow everywhere. Um, I don't know if that means there were more or less. I think there were probably about the same number of people. Um, But I saw a fan base that has, has grown and is more aggressive and is more used to this and is getting all the little things, right? They had to cancel the pep rally and people knew where to go get their tickets and just we're growing too. Um, NDSU has been doing this long time. And consistently over and over, uh, I saw a lot of people and, and dealing with the weather, Rob, that was unbelievable <laughs> in the morning. It's uncanny. It was, yeah. It's, it's incredible. Um, but just, I, I really do. I, I saw, and I, and I laughed. I, this is even, you know, the better, the more success JMU has had. We had some people sitting behind us who didn't really, they're just like fans from the area. Like they didn't really have a big, like a heartfelt JMU connection. They're not alums or like have kids there or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them were a little um, off base in their commentary during the game. Imagine that. Imagine that. Right. But at the same time, they're there. We need those fun. people to yeah. keep filling it up. Right. And I, I saw real growth uh, from the fan base this year. And I hope we can keep more than anything. I want us to keep being an inclusive group to welcome people in. Um, and I don't mean that in like a sort of, you know, social justice warrior kind of way. I just mean truly like we need more people. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like we need to not be so snobby about those of us that have been there three times that somebody else hasn't been there or whatever. I know I just said that, but we need to welcome even those who don't know everything that's going on. Um, but I thought I, I was really impressed. And the one thing I was impressed with, Rob, is people were ready to go this time mm-hmm. they they were in the stands they didn't care what the announcers did what the in stadium and what promotions they did that might or might not favor the bison people were ready this time and i hope that they rally and they're ready again next time um because I, I thought it was a great performance and the way that jmu has just taken over that star area since it's been developed is awesome um no no, no. it was it was fun time so no. Yeah, good job, everybody. And and for those of you, you know, we'll we'll get to that at the end. But that was kind of my last thing looking back at this, Rob. I don't know if you had anything else on your list for the game. I just Oh, the ABC thing's amazing, by the way. Oh, being on ABC. Did you see the numbers? Yeah. No, the rating. Oh yeah. Oh, it was like two point seven million people, big highest watched FCS championship game ever. Um, really not that close. Nothing even remotely close in the last ten to fifteen years. Um, since this was like a bigger deal, um, massive TV ratings. So that, that's awesome. I got to think this game's going to be on ABC going forward. Obviously as fans would love to get it back into a evening start someday, but probably not going to happen. So yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. that early start time is always kind of weird to me because I know they say it's for TV time, but what else is on ABC? Do they even have college basketball? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. And it beat uh, two big college basketball games on Fox and CBS at the same time. Um, obviously, they don't want it to roll, you know, risk going to overtime and rolling into the playoff window. I, personally, I just – I feel like with these two teams, a matchup like this, um, guy I work with told me he watched the game because he just knew about the teams and he knew it would be a good game, you know, not because he was connected to JMU. And, I, I mean, I think they can play it on Friday night and have a huge audience too, but who knows. What yeah, I? I thought it was good. Like, oh. I, I've heard people complaining, being talking about, oh, they're always talking about the – the FBS title game. Who cares? I'm not gonna take offense. So you watch the freaking mm-hmm. whatever the, the playoff game. They're gonna talk about the Oscars or like that's. What... Oh yeah, if you were watching the Georgetown game on Fox at the same time, I guarantee they were talking about the Packers. The NFL game, like that's what they <laughs> yeah, yeah. do. Right, I mean, up, like that's, that's how television networks work. It's not that they're dissing FCS or nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to hear that. But remember back with like Madden and Summerall when they would mm-hmm. pan to like the stars of whatever CBS shows were in there. <laughs> yes, Fox yes. was notorious for doing when Fox just started. They're like, oh, look, there's so-and-so, a star of the new girl or something like that. Right. Like they, they'd place <laughs> yeah. them in the stage with a Red Sox hat. Like, it's just what they do. So, like, yeah, it's a little annoying. I didn't want to – I was like, just talk about the game. But that has nothing to do with it being FCS. That's not a slight. It's just the way network television works. Well, and 2.7 million people and a 1.76 rating or whatever it was um, – that beat more than half of the bowl games this, yeah. this year. That blew out the Celebration Bowl, yeah. um, the other big FCS game this year. Um, my guess is the announcers and the in-game staff next year will uh, may prepare a little more for this game, yeah. knowing, seeing that kind of thing. So, you know, let, let's hope that that, that continues. Um, that's certainly great news. Uh, one thing I did find funny was the Dukes have been involved in the three – biggest audience games championship games in the NDSU era. So from 2011 on, and that includes the Youngstown here when NDSU was not in it. So I thought that was kind of just a cool, you know, I mean, part of it's just, there's the North Dakota market is limited, you know, Um, but that's, but that's pretty cool. Um, Rob, I want to look ahead about, about two things. If you don't mind, do you have, Anything else on your list here? No, just it was a tough one to process. But you figure yeah, we, Jamie's played them, what is it now, three times in the last five years, and it's come down to a, pretty much a single score. I guess Jamie beat them by yeah, – We lost by four, and we lost by eight. So we lost by 12 and beat them by beat the, by 10. 10. So, yeah, it's a two-point spread. Yeah, so, so, so it's a push them. They were averaging losing by one point, yeah. <laughs> which is about how those games felt. And yeah. I mean, look, we don't mean to, it doesn't make it any, doesn't yeah. change the outcome. Um, I think the really hard thing, Rob, is that uh, just like Clemson and, and Ohio State and LSU at the FBS level, one thing that's really hard right now is uh, this last four year run, it has been really hard to, you know, Jamie lost to West Virginia and they lost to NDSU this year. And so there's no game on the schedule that you felt like they won that they shouldn't have won or that they lost that we didn't know there was a chance of them losing. And so it becomes really hard to like evaluate the season just based on wins and losses with that kind of small sample when you're like, well, 
Okay. Like, I don't, I yeah. don't know how to, you know, that, that just becomes really different. I mean, if you're an Ohio state fan this week, you're thinking like, was that a successful season or was that not a, like, yeah. I don't even know how you evaluate it. Right. So um, that's a tough thing. So the two things I wanted to look ahead to are mainly, I want to tell everyone, Rob, I saw so much of like, we're losing so much and we are losing big names. But it really we're, feels to me like a lot back too. we are and we're losing, I think sometimes, A, we're bringing back 10 senior starters, um, which is not, so not just starters, but like men, men you know, um, and, and B, we're, it feels different this year because I think this was the last big group of the true, of this like four year run, right? Like that was there sort of from the beginning. I mean, some of the names are the ones that were there in the other two Frisco games, or at least one of them. And you're losing more of those than before. And so it feels bigger. But I did. I sent that thing out yesterday, and I couldn't believe how many players responded. Um, looking at JMU's too deep, at least the one I printed out from the Weber State going into the Weber State game, um, there were only two spots in the too deep lineup. So for anybody who doesn't know, that JMU before each game puts out the too deep, which is like the starter and the reserve at every position. There were only two spots on the team. Which is another way of saying guys that play. Guys that actually play, yeah. yes. Only two slots on the whole two deep that they, where both players were not coming back. One of them is at the weak side defensive end position, which is the John Daka Bryce McGinley pairing. Um, JMU announced this week they're bringing in a transfer defensive lineman from the University of Minnesota. And they're getting back Isaac Ukwu, who looked like a star in the making before the season, before the injury uh, next year to fill that slot. They have Jalen Green, the freshman who played a good bit and has a lot of talent and hopefully is going to grow and put on some weight on the other side. All of those guys will be greatly improved by having Adib and Mike Green back at defensive tackle. So that was one of the slots that they didn't have somebody. And the other one was the uh, weak side linebacker. You know, they get back – Kelvin Azanima at one linebacker spot at the Mike linebacker. Um, but at Dimitri's position, they don't get back Holloway or Mike Cobbs. But really, let's be honest, Diamante Tucker Dorsey played a ton this year and played really well. And I think, you know, had Mike Cobbs not been a redshirt senior, Tucker Dorsey probably would have been listed as the number two on the two deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet, bet if you went back and checked the snap count, he may have already played more. So those were the only two spots without people coming back. Um, Yes, I think linebacker is probably a position of need. But they're bringing back – you forget I, – I forget. They're bringing back D'Angelo Amos, Wayne Davis. Um, Davis both. is the one that I think a lot of people, including – or at least I, yeah, didn't realize was coming back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's your spur. So that's sort of another linebacker. Um, you're obviously bringing back – you're bringing back all, all your specialists. Amos got me going on the specialists. But Harry, Ratke – Long snapper, holder, kick Jawan Hamilton, D'Angelo Amos. So that's just like a big detail you don't have to worry about very much next yeah, year. Yeah, like what? They're right? losing like Tut and Rashad. Yeah, they're bringing yeah. back McCormick. Bring McCormick, Torres Carroll, Carroll. Uh, Jamari yeah. Currents might get a chance to play. Q Reed, we saw play well at times this year um, for Wayne Davis. Uh, MJ Hampton stepping right in. He's on the two deep. So he'll be stepping in for Adam Smith. He'll be a senior. Really good player. They have a transfer, um, Norwood, coming from UMass at the corner position. They have the transfer, Antonio Colclaw from Rutgers um, up front 
on the defensive tackle side. Uh, Garrett Gruel played a bit there too. So there's a lot back. I, I know it feels because Carter and Daka are gone that it just feels so big, but there's a lot of talent coming back on this team. Um, on the other side, all four running backs come back. Uh, technically five if Austin Douglas comes back. He may be a DB next year. Um, and look, quarterback and wide receiver, I think, are the two big question marks on this team. There's no doubt about it. But, the but both those positions will be greatly like, yes. improved by the running back situation. But it, not only the running back, but the offensive line offensive situation. Line. So like, yeah, I mean, the best player in the I mean, nation. Jake Brown, next Kendall year. Dean, Baby Ravenel, like, they can catch they've the played. ball. Yeah. And they've played. They've yes. played a little bit. And yes. they've made big plays. You know, we talked yes. about, like, Ravenel had a couple big fourth down or third down conversions mm-hmm. this year, or maybe even fourth down conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Brown had catches all throughout the season, had a huge game uh, last season at, mm-hmm. at Richmond. That's you know, mm-hmm. him and it would connected with Ravenel has a big like third and fourth down catches. Yeah, I mean, like these guys have been in there; they're ready to step up. And yeah, I got to played a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah. So I, I think they're going to be. And they're going okay. to, like you said, I just think I'd much rather – here's what I'll say. I'd much rather be replacing the receivers and the quarterback than replacing the offensive line and the running backs. Yep. Um, I think the receivers and the quarterback will benefit enormously from having potentially the best player in the nation at right tackle next year in Liam Fornado and some combination of Nick Kidwell, Joe Fishpaw, um, Hubbard, the transfer from UConn, JT Timming, at center, Truvel Wilson back and developing Jake Glavin, Zaire Bethea, um, and Drew Painter, a, a really great blocking tight end, even though they lose Dylan, all back. So I, I, I just, I think people are getting a little, I think there's a lot of kids who played. Um, it's right. Would I like to see more of Jalen Green this year to develop for next year? Sure. Um, but he probably needs to put some strength on and that kind of stuff. So like, let's just wait and see what happens. Um, they, you know, wouldn't be surprising to see one more transfer. Uh, it, it, it did get me thinking. I don't know what. I wonder what it means for next year. You know, I saw. Obviously, we all saw Gage in the Tebow package this week, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but whether it's Gage or Cole or quarterback X, I, I think they're just they're going to hand the ball off a lot. <laughs> they're going to have time to throw it, at least until it matters. Um, so. I'm not down at all going in next year. I think it's really ex- an exciting group next year that's going to be hungry. Uh, the schedule it, is the last. What's it, that, it also, it could be a little more exciting. And I know nobody wants to hear this, but I think it's fans <laughs> we've all kind of maybe gotten a little over the CAA the past couple of years mm-hmm. because, well, certainly this year and mm-hmm. then two years ago and three years ago, it was mm-hmm. like you kind of went into it like you were excited but you weren't really scared. Mm-hmm. Um, then last year there were those games, Signetti, nobody else talk, he outcoached Houston, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Came with a better game plan. There were a couple games, one another. It, Jamie will probably be a favorite next year, but they're not going to be a runaway favorite. I think it'll be more competitive, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, yeah. I think it might actually be time that we don't have this Frisco or bus mentality. We didn't have it this year, and I enjoyed this season so much more than last year. Yeah, it probably depends on who's playing quarterback at Villanova next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A little bit, but, no, I mean, yeah. J- Jamie's going to, at a minimum, they're going to get first-place votes. We can say that right yes, now. Without yes, even yes, looking yes. at the other rosters. They're going to, yep. and deservedly so, because mm-hmm. of the coaching staff, because of who you talked about bringing back on D, because of the running backs and the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to be in the running. 
they're not going to be a unanimous pick, most likely. Mm-hmm. But it, there's nothing wrong with having maybe more competitive games week in and week out in the fall. No. You know, and, and still being good enough. I mean, we don't want a rebuilding year. Nobody's going to be like, oh, it'll be a fun challenge. That's ludicrous. No, it's a worry. reloading year. It's I a think. reloading. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe they're not going to be starting off the season and, you know, top four and situated for seed. Well, we weren't in 2016 either. Had to had to play the way into that situation. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm optimistic. I don't think the cupboard is bare by any stretch. And in fact, I think there's a lot of players, particularly the guys you just mentioned, who are ready Mm -hmm. to step up. And and there's gonna be guys we don't know of. It happens every year. I mean, and I I didn't think Green was gonna be as good as he was. I didn't think Latrell Palmer was gonna get on the field and have fans so excited. I, I had pretty high levels of optimism that Percy. And or Percy or Jawan would really establish themselves. I did not think the partnership would work this well. Um, right. I had no idea Polk was going to be this good. I, mm-hmm. I I had hopes that Riley, you know, could have another playoff game that approached the the games he's had. Yeah, I didn't past. know Truvell Wilson was going to come from Division Three or Division Two and be this and be good. a stud. Oh yeah, I forgot. At wide receiver, they have the VMI transfer. Yeah, who who was the freshman of the year in the SoCon last year? What crazy numbers! Yeah, yeah. So. I, um, yeah, there's all kinds of things. I, it's, it's, it's exciting. And I also think, go back, Rob, I, the one thing I thought about walking out of the stadium, and he'll be happy to hear this. Um, I mean, first of all, I thought we sort of got beat on Saturday. Yeah. I didn't have the, the frustration with the drops and the penalties and the turnovers that I did in the last time. I, I had a little bit of a sense of, like you said, they ran two Bit more better schemed plays than we did, and they had the best player, and that's sort of what happened. Um, yeah, in, in twenty seventeen or twenty yeah, twenty, I, I, I felt like JMU gave it away. I felt like JMU I just did. like made dumb mistakes. I didn't think the mistakes on Saturday were dumb; they were just football mistakes. Yeah, that one, the the, the twenty eighteen, the, the last loss in these, you haunted me for weeks. And yeah, I, I, felt I feel like, like this it. one I felt is like it was just uh, the fumble. That wasn't a fumble, right. still gets me. Right. Um, everything about it. Like that one, it, I felt Jamie was clearly the better team. Mm-hmm. Saturday, I just came down to mistakes and Trey Lance. And and I know NDSU fans will be like, oh, you're not giving credit. Fine. I don't know. I'm, mm. I'm trying. No. Eh, I'm kind of yeah. not, but I'm kind of <laughs> saying like the guy made plays. The guy won, yeah. won the damn game. Mm-hmm. They're the presumptive favorite next year. Mm-hmm. And every year he stays. Whatever, mm-hmm. let's go chase them. But I don't think it's out of the realm of the possibility that JMU could eventually no. get one over on them. I don't either. Yeah. And, I, and um, yeah, I, I just – well, I, what I kept thinking about, Rob, was uh, I also thought about Chase's article from a couple weeks ago that we talked about. Um, the one he wrote about sort of the, the journey back yep. to get this back, uh, given the disaster and the, the way crap kind of fell apart. Um, Houston's last year and you got to build, you know, NDSU, they've been great, but they were kind of lucky those first few years of their run to keep it every year intact or to hit, to hit a team like a Towson who just kind of pulled it out of their behind to make a run all the way to the title game every year. Um, And James, this year, just watching those kids, the watching the players, the way they reacted on Twitter uh, the last couple of days, um, the way they've reacted to coaches changing, the way they've I, – I, I just – it seems to me that the culture has been changed and it somehow hung on through these couple of coaching changes. 
like, and it's starting to feel a little more sustainable for JMU. Yeah. I think part of the hurt in 2017 for me, or whatever, 2018, the, the last NDSU game, the second year of the Shore team, was it just felt like, to me, it felt like, well, I wonder if this is the end, you know, the way that it was in 2004, where it came and then it went for a few years. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like, like you said, they're going to be a top two team in the CAA, probably the favorite. Um, they're probably going to be in the top 10 to start the season nationally. And those are going to be deserved. They're not going to be riding on the coattails of the 2008 team, say, when the 2010 season was starting or something. You know? Yeah. Um, it's exciting. And the one interesting thing that will be really fun next year, Rob, uh, it's looking way ahead here. I do think next season is the most important season that I can remember in terms, at least it's really important to whether this is truly sustainable or not. Right. Cause it will show like what it showed Houston second year that they could do it again, that they were good, that, that the recruiting is solid, that kind of thing. Um, but the most, the funniest thing about next season is the most important game of the year is the first game. The Delaware game. Yeah. So yeah. they open with a conference opponent, Delaware um, next year at home. They actually have two home games, Delaware and Chattanooga, both not, gimme games before they go to North Carolina. So, you know, all these years that they've been opening with either their FBS game or the couple times they've opened with non FBS games, they've opened with like St. Francis or somebody. Um, this is going to be really, really interesting. It's, it's back to an 11 game season next year. So other than the trip to Villanova, and the UNC game, there's not another game on the schedule looking now that I would say I'll think that JMU would be even close to being an underdog. So that Delaware game is the one I, I think that's really going to set them up for a lot of things. So we all got to be ready to bring it right out of the gate next year. Um, but I think that's going to make it fun, too. It's certainly going to make it fun for the students to play Delaware and Chattanooga the first couple of weeks instead of Morgan State and St. Francis. Yeah, that's like what I'm you saying. Said, like, it's, it's, go- it's just going to be more it's fun. Be it's going to be more interesting. Like, it's a... This year, I had a lot of fun. It was a great season and, you know, great players and everything. But mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of close games. We had a couple of close games in the middle, Villanova and Stony Brook. And then it was a bunch of cakewalks. Um, mm-hmm. It was much more fun in other years. Like, even the Rodney Landers years, which, oh, yeah. geez, that, that was our favorite team, favorite non-championship team um, mm-hmm. ever by a mile. They were just really competitive games. Like, it's better when the, I think the whole CAA is rising. Mm-hmm. And JMU has a reloading year. So it, mm-hmm. it's gonna be, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think that's, that's about all the sort of substantive football stuff I have. Do we want to do, do an OT? We got a couple. I asked for suggestions that so we got three. We could just do rap, oh, yeah, rapid yeah. fire. Let's do it. Then I'll wrap it up with a little thing at the end. But, yeah. Well, from our boys over at JMU Sports News, they suggested, they said, NDSU held Charles Tut as tightly as a cherished memory. What are some of your cherished memories from 10 years of running JMUSB together? And golf, golf clap for that one. Cause golf clap, I, I yes. am, I am loath to criticize officials. I think it's kind of pointless and you can't do anything about it. Tut was absolutely mugged yes. on that run. And that's almost, mm-hmm. it did not make, was not the reason JMU lost caveats mm-hmm. all around, but it was, he got absolutely mugged and it was, it was egregious. <laughs> It was criminal. Yes. Um, so what are some of your favorite memories of? of um, I, I think just the first couple times, this is a good way to finish it. Um, 
first couple times we got comments on the blog. Yeah. Um, shout out to Justin and Sarah, Mike, uh, our friends out there. You know, it's a great to spend this weekend with most of you all. Um, those were huge. The, the Mike Chevron posting. Yeah. Co- um, the controversy over your don't graduate, stay at JMU post. <laughs> I really enjoyed <laughs> My um, favorite part about that was the Towson Director of Career Development posting it as if it was a legitimate <laughs> thing on LinkedIn. Yeah. And just really, really. That was almost as bad as the NDSU player, like tweeting total, like former player tweeting yeah, like, that was anger stuff at JMU after the game this week. And it was like, well, I wonder which year he was a senior. Yep. Could it have Could been 2016? Oh, yeah. He lost in the Fargo Dome at home. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Um, the best one of all, of course, is when you, when we got the pictures of the sync wedding. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, our biggest day ever on the blog was when a former JMU women's soccer player married one of the other guys. Not from Justin NSYNC. Timberlake. Yeah. And instead of like Us Weekly having the pictures that included Justin Timberlake, it was us. Right? Yeah, so. <laughs> so, yeah, for no money at all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would just think, like, it, for me, just like kind of a little. First of all, it's just been fun. I think it's been great for our friendship and it's really cool that mm-hmm. like this podcast, I don't have any lessons, but I look forward to doing it every week just to chat with you. But then some of the things, the trips you've done, the games you've done, yeah. but just meeting random people. Like you said, that story in the airport, my kids joke all the time. Cause like we'll go to games and people who are kind enough, come up and introduce themselves. That's, yep. that's a big thrill for me. I remember way back, like we were at the JMU versus George Washington basketball game oh yeah and some guy behind us heard us talking he's like wait are you guys from jamie's sports blog and he's like (laughs) and his poor girlfriend was like oh he always talks about these stupid previews you guys write (laughs) and he's like i love it and stuff like that it's just like it's always just been for fun for us like we've never really tried to monetize this or make much it's like anytime i meet somebody it's like hey man i enjoy what you guys do thanks that to me it's, it's i get a kick out of it it's been 10 years I get like nervous and awkward about it, but like it is such a thrill. <laughs> Anytime somebody says that, or like people come yeah. up to me, you know, I still remember there were guys that came up to us yeah. in Frisco the first night who were like, Hey, we'd like to buy you beers. Uh, you know, we right. like reading your stuff. And I was like, Well, we got to buy you beers. This is ridiculous. Like, it's mm-hmm. just so nice. I, I, I cannot tell people enough how much I appreciate it. And I think you do too. It's just, it's so cool. It's so fun it's, to connect it, with people. It's unbelievable. I think of when Rich and I went to the, JMU versus American field hockey game mm-hmm. um, at American and brought streamers for all of the parents <laughs> and almost got in trouble with American university. Yeah. Like, yeah, really fun times. Rich and I going to Dayton, um, you and I going to a billion games yeah. um, together. Yeah. Just everything that's happened, uh, getting the award, meeting all these people with JMU, um, it happened to me on the airplane going down this week. Somebody else was like, you haven't heard of this? <laughs> yeah, well, um, so I, it, it never ceases to amaze us. It's so much fun. We're so grateful to all of you. Um, kind of being an actual part of the Alumni Association. Um, the way that you all have welcomed me when I was in North Carolina, um, as I moved home. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that one's awesome, Rob. Yeah, okay. And then we got another one from Duke Dog Nation. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks, Alex. If you could choose one FCS team to start a rivalry with that we don't slash haven't regularly played, who would it be? Mm. That's a really good 
call. I, I got it. Um, I, I, I got one. I got one. Okay. I think. You, you go first. Though. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I just – I think it would be really fun to play in Ivy League school, do home and homes regular, mm. just because there's a lot of history there. I think it would be very fun for, you know, the Harvard of the South to beat the real Harvard or something like that. But I, mm-hmm. I just think it would be cool to go up and play like a Princeton or Yale because those stadiums are awesome. And, yeah. and the fact that they don't really play teams from outside their region. It's a big brand name on the East Coast. Those schools are all kind of in major corridors for the Illinois. I, I mean, obviously, like a Montana or something would be great, but I would love to play like at the Yale Bowl or at, you know, mm-hmm. was it Memorial Stadium in Harvard mm-hmm. or Princeton, just because I think it'd be fun. And I think it'd be really cool to have a big, big name, whether they play in the playoffs or not, and they should play in the playoffs, cut the crap Ivy League. Um, I just think that'd be super fun. Like that's that's a big, huge name that everybody would get, or I would get excited about, and it'd be super, super fun to beat up on a bunch of nerds. So, <laughs> yes, it would. Um, I think that's a great point about the Montana schools, Rob. I, I think realistically, it's probably not going to happen. I no. would love to see. I'm glad we're going to Weber. I would love to see us have a, a real West Coast, somebody from the West Coast, right? A Sacramento State, just that our West Coast alumni. Could get a shot at. It, the problem is um, just, you've got Eastern Washington. Yeah, it's not going to happen. What, Portland um, State and Sac State. Yeah, the one team that really comes to mind for me is Kennesaw. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably Atlanta, coming. Atlanta, that'd be cool, too. Yeah, I think that's probably coming at some point um, in the playoffs, if not in the regular season. Um, I just – I think they're a developing mouthy program. And, yeah, for it being in Atlanta, um, I, I think it'd be cool. We Right? We have a lot – sort of a sort of low-key alumni group down there. And I think it's kind it of wouldn't just be Atlanta. College. It's also it's like capital Charlotte. college football too. Yeah. It's also like all our Charlotte alumni, our Charleston alumni. Like there'd be a lot of people who would probably easy to get, get to a Delta easy to get to. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, the team that we have never really seen that, that I imagine we will see sooner or later um, at the FCS level. That would that, that'd be a good one too. And I think, yeah. you know, you've got to have some sort of East coast element just, to the nature of, of FCS football. But. That's what I meant. I feel like that one's actually realistic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I was thinking Eastern yeah. Seaboard. Like, yeah. the Patriot League ones I thought were really good until the gap has just widened. Right. You know, I like the fact that a couple of years ago, Jamie would home, you know, the home and home with Lehigh, but that's not mm-hmm. competitive. So, yeah, Kennesaw would be And perfect. they can't do anything at Lehigh, right? We're going to Monmouth because President Alger is going to make the trip and press the flesh with the NYC Dukes. Yeah. Right. I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with on field. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not a bad win. You know, it's not a bad matchup from like a, I don't know what you call it. Like it's not a gimme game, but at the same time, we're doing that for, we're doing that for, for other reasons. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I feel like Kennesaw would, would check both boxes that way. Kennesaw too. would make sense. Certainly from a, from a competition standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it would draw on like the casual fan. Like we're no, not you're probably right. But like, I, Maybe it's just me, but I, I feel like if we said, hey, Jamie's playing Harvard, a lot of people would like, oh, and you could do yeah, a road yeah, trip to Boston, true. you know? Well, and they could, they could hit alumni markets of one of those trips, too. So, like yeah. the Northeast Corridor, where there's a lot of... I like that stuff. idea. So, yep. Whatever. Okay. Good one. And then uh, our final one is from Andrea Clay, our, our oh, friend, yeah. probably in mourning over the Jake Fromm situation right now. Um, she says, best thing you ate this season. And I don't know if this is related to at a game or elsewhere. So I'll just open it up. We can just talk about food. What's the best thing okay. you've eaten recently? 
Wow, that's tough. Yeah, I should have prepared. If it's for this, this season and it's game related, it is definitely the venison steaks that Brian Tro from Mossy Creek prepared in Morgantown to start the season. Um, Can't go wrong with venison and tailgate. Yeah. No, so um, that is yeah, that that's pretty awesome. Um, I I, don't, I was trying to think of anything else. I I did go. I went to La Berge recently. Mm-hmm. Um, always a treat. So yeah, that's probably one of one, but I don't have anything. I can't think of anything in particular other than like oysters that I've done or stuff that I've done. Yeah. Yeah. I guess How about I, you? I'll, I'll keep it simple. Like yeah. in football food type thing. Mm-hmm. There's a bar down the street from me. It's literally 500 yards from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, we went when it first opened, didn't like it. And we went back there for a pub Saturday afternoon. Oh, um, and they actually had like changed the menu, and they got the best deviled eggs ever. So it's just like football food, oh, fun, yes. which I love. Um, it was just surprising because I've I've ignored this bar slash restaurant for four years since it opened, thinking it was terrible. <laughs> and me and my wife, and my friends were like, "Oh my gosh, this place got a lot better." So that was good in terms of just like football food. And then we recently were in Quebec City, mm-hmm. and we went to this old Quebecois. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it reminded me of like Cajun country that whole French mm. element and they mm-hmm. had the music and it was just like long tables and then like the accordion type music. My wife and kids are like, you're a moron. This has nothing <laughs> at all to do with Louisiana. It's cold here. It's snow. And I was like, no, but there's the French element. There's like, this <laughs> the best French soup I've ever had. And they all, Oh, like two liters, but like giant liters of beer. And it was just a very fun restaurant. Everybody was singing and dancing all these people oh, in French awesome. songs, but it was like French onion soup to die for. So that was probably my favorite single thing I've eaten. Um, that's during football awesome. Yeah. Well, I, you, I, the one I forgot, Rob, that you with the surprise question was: there's a ramen place in Fairfax City oh. called Mar- Maruman um, that is unbelievable. It's like down by the Home Depot mm-hmm. in Fairfax Circle, and yeah, I've been there like four times this winter. Oh, nice and. It's yeah, it's really magnificent. Oh, I had so, really good ramen actually. Now you think about that, um, well, at Pont City Market in Atlanta in October. That place well, is awesome. If you're ever down there, nice, nice. It's an old like well, warehouse they converted into this huge food center. You walk in and they've got whatever like donut shops and great ramen place in the back. And when you first get there, there's a really good like bottle shop that will give mm-hmm. you plastic bottles pints to go on draft so you can get one of those walk around get all the other food the ramen there is terrific so mm-hmm. highly recommend it oh that's awesome um well those are all good suggestions uh thank you all thank you guys for coming on the journey with us uh this season as you have the last few uh we don't know exactly what the future holds for us i will tell you i think we're going to take a one week break next week yeah um and then try to slowly ramp back up for tournament time. Um, maybe we can get coach O back on. Wouldn't mind having a preseason with a coach from spring sports. Rob, I've got some promised uh, real niche podcasts coming from, um, or at least at some point we're going to talk archery and ski club. <laughs> um, let's get weird. Um, yes. Um, let's get weird. Yeah. So I, I think actually when you get away from football, I think we've got the opportunity to get some kind of, non-traditional guests that can be really yes. interesting yes you know um i don't we don't know exactly what format we'll be taking um how much we'll be writing in the next couple of weeks we will be back here in a couple of weeks um talking hoops 
and other things that are, you know, getting ready for lacrosse and baseball and softball and just joining you all. It's also signing, you know, the second signing period. So I'm sure we're going to see some movement. Um, who knows if we're done with, co- I mean, we're definitely not done with coach turnover because JMU is going to have to hire some replacements for their own assistants. So, you know, if anything major happens, we will be back, you know, in short order to talk to you. Let's hope that's not the case uh, in terms of losing people. Uh, you know, I don't, I just want to say thanks. Um, obviously thanks to our sponsors, Mossy Creek and Pale Fire. Um, looking forward to hopefully starting up another year with you all, but just thanks to all of you. Um, the Dukes have been a real touchstone for me, Rob, your friendship and our ability to do this every Monday has been, you know, just has been a, it's, it, that's what it is. It's a real touchstone for me the last few years, um, through a lot. So I, no, I really undoubtedly. appreciate it. Undoubtedly. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've never paid attention to the stats. Uh-huh. I think I don't want to, but I do this pretty much because I enjoy talking to you about the Dukes every week. Um, it's fun right. for me. The fact that anybody tunes in or anybody reads is kind of a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, this is certainly fun. And, and I appreciate you as a friend mm-hmm. and you. I appreciate sure. everybody uh, who listens and thank you to all the seniors. I know that's probably yeah. a better pill to swallow mm-hmm. um, at the risk of saying like crazy Al Bundy, like high school stories. Like, I lost a championship game, my last game, senior year of high school lacrosse. Um, I don't want to say it haunts me, but it does, it does gnaw you for years. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, no, absolutely, big thank you, I'm absolutely gutted for those guys. They put it all on the line, um, mm-hmm. worked their tails off, you know, their, their whole lives, literally, their whole lives. Been to, it just stinks. It, it's hard as a fan. I can't imagine how much harder it is for those guys as players. But just if anyone listens, we appreciate you. And uh, we're proud of you. And thank you for the, for the wonderful memories that you gave us as Jamie fans. Yeah, exactly what Rob said. And, and just echoing that, um, Rob, I, I got a couple more shout outs, I promised, uh, or, or was thinking as you were t- saying that about our senior football players, um, Manny Ferriel going to yes. the Dallas FC Dallas in the second round of the ML or first round of the MLS draft mm-hmm. or second round of the MLS draft. Um, he will be playing at Toyota Stadium in Frisco before any other Dukes <laughs> again soon. That is awesome news. Um, one thing we should mention, there are three, three teams playing in the NFL playoffs in the conference championships this with week. Dukes. With, with Dukes. Okay. So Richard Davis, and, um, who I don't think got snaps last week, but is on the active roster for the Titans um, and had played the week, two weeks before that, including the Patriots game. Uh, Raven Green um, did not get brought back off the injured reserve, but may be back this week for the Packers and Marcus Marshall, who is on the in or the reserve futures list for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think what that says is you put a Duke on your team, you go to the conference championship. Yeah. yeah so let's see lots more of that. Um, Carolyn, Carolyn's sister, uh, Chris Sowers, all the people I met this week. Uh, you know, I mentioned mom, T- you know, Charles Tuss mom, um, the Portland Dukes all the people we, I met this weekend and that Rob and I've met through this season. Um, what a great time to be a Duke. And we, it's been awesome to meet all of you and, and welcome you into the little JMUSB world. And then finally, Rob, the last thing I want to say is I forgot, I didn't mention the MRDs. So this was one thing I wanted to bring up as someone who went to the game. Um, I just want to say thank you to them for the trip, for the whole season. You're always the best fans of this team and this program. Um, some of your parents that we sit with in the stands have become or are becoming other great fans of this program. 
And I also just want to say thanks, Rob. At halftime, they played a very ramshackle, boisterous, you know, sort of Friday night in the Berg version of Start Wearing Purple and Get It On. Nice. were the only two songs they played. They did not have any particular organization. And I appreciated it a great deal on a cold morning in Texas because it felt like it was that was not for the TV cameras and it was not for NDSU fans. Yeah. That was their love letter for actual Dukes. And I just, that, that meant a lot to me as a fan. I know it meant a lot to the other five or six fans I was with and just can't wait to see you guys again. Um, Those of you who aren't in the pep band, but the rest of you will see you next year. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. Big thanks to MRDs. Yep. Yep. So Rob, um, I think the Dukes are going back next year. Onward Maybe and I'm upward. Out of Onward control. And upward. Yeah. Onward and upward. Um, we will con- reconvene to talk women's hoops. And I don't know what the coaching situation will be in men's hoops. Um, very shortly. That's, yeah, that's, that's – we see where that's going, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. makes me sad, but some stuff needs to be done. But, Rob, here is to us still having the chance to talk to each other and do one of these after a JMU championship some other JMU championship down the road. Yeah, and, and I'm more confident looking forward in the future right now than I was at the end of last season. We'll yes. put it that way. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got a coach in place who is, is there. He did a lot of good things this year. Last year, we ended the season with a much more difficult loss to stomach, um, mm-hmm. kind of some feelings of underachievement, and then obviously a coaching search. So, Better than we were 365 days ago. Put it that way. Uh, darn right about that. Yep. <laughs> All right. Rob, I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. And you too. Yeah, have a good <laughs> one, everybody. Go Dukes. Hi, Rob and Todd. It's Bennett Conlon, longtime listener and first-time caller, um, which isn't true because I've been on the podcast. But I was curious – what you guys think of this take. So I think that the West Virginia game and the North Dakota State game, those two games, even though they were losses, were by far the most exciting games of the 16-game season. So I was wondering if you think there might be uh, a conference team, a CAA team or program that's capable in the next few years of giving fans something a little more enjoyable uh, to watch during the regular season is there a team that you think could be a regular season rival that could give us some intrigue because it feels like now every year at least i'm sitting around and just waiting for that fps matchup or a a potential game against the bison it's just interested in your thoughts and i'll hang up and listen hey bennett it's todd um just wanted to answer that great question uh the short answer is no at least not consistently um the longer answer is I think Villanova probably has the best chance. Uh, It seems like their staff is recruiting at the level required to begin to challenge the Dukes. Um, Does that mean I don't think other teams in the league can beat the Dukes? No. Uh, But I think that's the team that is building towards something bigger than, say, Albany or Stony Brook, which are obviously building the right way. Um, but I'm not sure they're getting to quite that level of creativity. Uh, the other team, oddly, that scares me, not that scares me, but just 
we'll give, I think we'll, we'll surprise people um, over the next couple of years is our old friends at William & Mary. So I, I just, I, I, you know, there's proof of concept with Mike London. And I think we'll see them come again. Uh, but I agree that that's a real frustration uh, with JMU continuing to play in the CAA and continuing to play at the level they are vis-a-vis the rest of the FCS. Thanks. Oh, my bones. 